Welcome back to Fortitude, everyone. JW Brenton, you've probably seen him before a couple times. We got one of our buddies here in studio, the Captex Bank Studio. Thank you, Marcus Kiprios, for joining us uh, on set. Uh, we are big fans of this guy. We've known him a few few years at least. Yeah, and uh, he was lo- nice enough to bring some booze. Our good sponsor, uh, Mike, Mike Thomas, loves when we do booze segments. So, Mike Thomas, hope you appreciate this Cap-tex. guy because I'm, I'm sure you do. Captex funds all the booze He's a heck of companies. a businessman, makes mm. a heck of a product. But Look at all of it. I know. It's like uh, it's Graciously allowed product. us to have some on set, so thank you, Marcus. Oh. We're, we're, we're honored to have you in our presence. It would, yes. be, it would be rude of me to not bring alcohol. Everyone really expects it wherever I go, uh, and I try to bring alcohol everywhere. Um Except when I'm like, you know, on in those places like school or yeah. church or things of that nature. But right. yes. Do you, I mean, I'm guessing you drink on a regular basis, but is your drinking become more so prominent than when we, maybe in, pre, in your previous life? No, I, I really try and watch it just because of how often I'm at events or festivals or at the distillery or away from the distillery. It's always, it's, it's the, the job is a, all the time, right? It's twenty four seven. So, I'm really careful with it, and um, it's. It, I think I actually drink less now. Right. Yeah. Do you respect. did you like set up a big boundary and in going into it like that? Like, did did you kind of have an idea from coming from the food background? Like, you got to be real careful with this, you know, type of deal, or were you just? Or are you just good like that? Uh, no, I didn't have the the plan. But when I started, you know, tasting barrels at nine a.m. that were one hundred and twenty proof, I was like, okay, we're gonna have to set some boundaries here. <laughs> What's the B word you just said? Bound. I don't. I'm not yeah. familiar. Remember, yeah. I mentioned that off air to you before. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Marcus, we we all went to Trinity Valley. That's where we first got to know him. He's a year younger than myself and a few years younger than Britain. Britain won't uh, name exactly how many years that is, but thank you. Uh, the guy, if you don't know who he is you probably haven't been paying much attention but he's obviously done really really well with blackland distillery it's a it's a hell of an operation but before we get into that marcus a graduate he's a fourth native obviously but a graduate of the culinary school fort worth which is a really cool thing uh he's also a sommelier he's also uh he went he was an attorney for 15 years which begs a lot of questions (laughs) i assume you had some some large successes in the in the law practice why would one leave the law practice to accomplish this? What what got in? What what changed? Or how did the sequence of events happen? Uh, you know, people ask me all the time, and I always say it wasn't that I didn't dislike law. I liked being mm-hmm. a lawyer. It was I was a trial attorney, so it was incredibly stressful, right? But I still enjoyed it, and I had the temperament for it. I've just always had a passion for food and wine, which was sort of the path that got me here. Every distiller is different. If you go talk to a distillery owner, there's no um, one way to get there because there's no major for distilling in college, right? And you see a lot of scientists. You see some lawyers. You see a lot of brewers who have gone into distilling. There's no right way. But it just got me there because when I went to culinary school, um, and then I found wine and part of the sommelier exam is distilled spirits. And then I went to some schools to learn how to make it. I saw it was very much like cooking because that's how we make alcohol to start. We take grain and we cook it. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, a natural flow for me. And I said, let's, uh, let's approach it from that point of view. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, just built the distillery that way. And we try and do a lot of different things comparatively um, to other places, right? right? We have a lot of differentiators. So. What was the sequence for you, Marcus? Was it a, was it law school, attorney, then then culinary school? Yeah, I went to culinary school while I was practicing. Okay. Uh, like, I went at night. Okay. Yeah, so I graduated from the culinary school of Fort Worth in 2010. Okay. Was is that still there? Yeah. Wasn't it above uh like La Madeline and yeah. 6330? It is was. It still no, no, they've moved farther down towards the circle. Okay. Uh and then but we still work with them. We still do a lot with them. Yeah. I, I still love that place. I always tell people of all the schools I've gone to, everyone at some point should go to culinary school oh, just yeah. for um general knowledge. You mm-hmm. eat three times a day or however many you eat now, and it just opened my eyes to a whole new world. Did you do that because you enjoyed cooking before or because you were just like, man, we need some better meals around the house? No, I, d- I did it because my growing up, my mom worked for American Airlines. Mm-hmm. And so we would use those like D2 passes to fly standby. And we always traveled around food. So we would go okay. to New York and we would go to Napa and we would go to these places. And I really fell in love with some amazing food and just became sort of a foodie. Yeah. But never did anything with it. I thought you were going to say, like, we got this, all the airplane food, like my mom would bring it <laughs> home. <laughs> she would bring the trays. And they were just so delicious the way that they had the the meals. And <laughs> No. No. Indeed. <laughs> Props to American Airlines, local company. Before here. we get into <laughs> Blackland, tell us a little bit about the sommelier life. Well, I've read, I know your background, but for those who don't, I mean, that's a really interesting world because it's so rare for people to have that designation, but you obviously accomplished that you, and, and you obviously that's transitioned to other things in your life, but the sommelier part of your life, please give us a little bit of in, in, inkling of that. So, yeah. So after I graduated from culinary school, that was just sort of the natural next step for me because you do so much uh, food and wine pairing. Right. And so it was about a year of just independent study for me because all you're really doing is going to sit for the exam and you take some courses and things, but um, it was a lot of knowledge, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, not, I would say after the bar exam, that was the second most difficult test I've taken just in terms of all of the regions and grapes and varietal and everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I really did like wine and I was getting into it and I, and there, I have strong opinions about it. But um, after I did that, I immediately jumped to distilling and, and, in that vein. And I don't think I've drank wine for like four years now oh, really? just because I'm just so focused on yeah. this. Right. Well, did it is, was it also easier because you know, you're like, man, I'd have to go get a vineyard. Like if I wanted to produce it myself, I could, I would have to do all these things rather than distilling. It's like, I could do this right here at home. Well, kind of deal. yeah. And I, I think there's an opportunity for distilling, or at least I saw it when I started compared mm-hmm. to other things. There's so many breweries that's so complicated to me. Yeah. And there's so many wineries in California in particular. Yeah. And I just think it's very hard to make wine here, right? In the climate that we are yeah. with the grapes that we have. So that oh, was, like two months of a hundred degree heat is right, hard to make more. Right, yes. Care. But there is, a, there is a vineyard in every state in the U.S., strangely, even Texas. I know, but Texas wine is not like well, what, it's real sweet, isn't it? Or something. Well, they or, have a couple that are good. I mean, we've had them. I know you know more than me, but there's yeah. definitely some here in Texas that can hold their own. Here in the Metroplex? There's not a Metroplex. It's probably yeah. what, uh, <laughs> South, South Texas and Austin way, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I've heard people say that. Um I think you did the right thing getting into <laughs> distilling. Yeah. I think people who bring grapes over from, say, France or um, South America and blend yeah. like that I, I, you can do here, and I think a lot more people are doing it. Right. I've yet to taste anything that um, people have grown here in Texas and 
fermented and put in a barrel and Fair. okay. Yeah. So where does the name Blackland? It's got such like a an evil like it's like a it kind of makes me think like Johnny Depp like pirate kind of movie. Is am yeah. I going the wrong way there, or, or is that what you intended for that? Oh no, be? not at all. But I like okay. it. You were okay. intending nice. evil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I wasn't evil spirits. I might yeah. I might start that though. Yeah. 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 No. No. But I mean, you grew up here. I grew up here. We all yep. grew up here. Oh, we there are seven eco regions in Texas. We live in the Blackland Prairie, which runs north of Fort Worth down to San Antonio. I didn't even know that until no. later. And it got its name because hundreds of years ago, the there were wildfires that caused the soil to be black and charred and gray, right? And so I liked the geographical connotation because we age whiskey and charred barrels. Mm -hmm. But I also like that it didn't necessarily say Texas because what we're doing here is not um, Wild West cowboy per se, right? We're trying, we always say, to elevate craft a little yeah. bit more sophisticated. And as great as TX has done and they caught fire and killed it, um, you know, the, as they become a national brand, they've had probably, I know, a little bit of trouble like trying to go to Minnesota because does someone in Minnesota really care about drinking TX whiskey mm -hmm. or Texas whiskey per right, se, right? Right. It's good. Um, but I thought Blackland could be ubiquitous and just everywhere and not have necessarily a geographical connotation for those that didn't know it. It's just, yeah. oh, I like that Blackland bourbon. Yeah. 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 Uh, what's your reach now with, with Blackland? Uh, we are in uh, nine states okay. and then uh, the UK. Oh, wow. Very nice. Is UK, is it popular there? Very, except we only um, distribute the pecan, the Texas pecan brown sugar bourbon and the bourbon there. So can you just do like a quick, just like when you talk about the Texas pecan and brown sugar? Yeah. What's you putting that stuff in the barrel with? Like, how's that work? No, uh, that's what I call a flavored or sugar whiskey. Uh -huh. uh, it's polarizing. It's divisive. Um, Good uh, adjectives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's why he didn't name it TX whiskey, right. because he was worried about what would happen politically with other people. I'm not buying that TX whiskey. Sorry. I guess I can't be saying that. You well, yeah, you can't, Britain. so please let our guests. Whatever, whatever you think about Texas, good or bad, it, it has a distinct... Um, following and knowledge base around the world, right? Mm -hmm. And so that really grabs. And so, for instance, on that one, the Texas pecan brown sugar bourbon, mm. um, we that's the last spirit we made. It is our number one seller. It's not even close. The irony, of course, is that it's my least favorite of the five that we make in terms because it is sweet, but yeah. it's good, yeah. right? And the reason I made that is because I would go into liquor stores and I would watch people buy Screwball and Fireball and Crown Apple. And I said, okay, well, if the world wants sugar whiskey, then let's make a good sugar whiskey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just like we're trying to do with everything else, we're trying to elevate yep. that. And I so, was, we were, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I was just uh, talking. Hold on, Marcus, it's, it's Britain time. I was talking to a guy about, <laughs> because talk, I have a direct connotation, like a direct thing to this. We were talking about like back in the day when, it, what kind of cigarettes do you smoke? Right. You know, and it's like marble lights and it's like. Oh, that's for babies, you know. And now guys are like big grown men are going in. Give me the watermelon pumpkin spice jewel. I'll take a couple cartridges of that. You know, I mean, it's just like we're in this fruit infused we are. world. And and everybody likes the sweeter stuff. They sell like Swisher sweets or grape flavor, like grape flavored cigars. I think that's kind of odd too. We do like our flavors, no doubt. And sugar. I mean, Fireball is the number three selling whiskey in the world. Seriously? Yeah. So we can make fun of that guy, but he's making fun of us on an island. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. 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 Um, so what about in England? Is the is the, is the palate uh, different? You know, have you had to 
the sugar, uh, not as a sweet. That was my initial thought, but no. No, everyone loves sugar apparently now. This is the world that we live in. JW doesn't. He's a diabetic. <laughs> yes, right, right. that's true. Yes. Yeah, don't touch that. Yeah. Actually, uh, I have Marcus, and it's quite, it's quite lovely. Thank you. I appreciate it. I went to the hospital after that for <laughs> diabetic reasons. but I mean, it is a very... Do- it is a very nice sugar whiskey, right? Uh-huh. And to answer your original question, we take the, our bourbon and then we steep it in pecan and we add vanilla and muscovado sugar, which the sugar really, for me, makes it. Um, and that's what you get. Is it a special kind of sugar? Yeah, the muscovado is um, a specific type of sugar that comes right off the sugar cane. So it tends to be a little bit sweeter and more confectionery. Mm-hmm. And they cook it a little bit. It's like a browner sugar like that. And we tried like 20 different iterations of sugar, and that was the one hands down. So is it like everybody goes in the boardroom like, hey, we're going on a sugar hunt. You know, everybody goes and gets five sugar. Like there's got to be research in it. You see the trend of the market, you know, and then. Was it a sugar hunt, Marcus? Yeah, it's like everybody bring your canes in. <laughs> see who's this is the best, you know. Yeah, and, and then I mean. This is, this stuff takes time, right? So it's not like you can just, I think this will be a good idea. Let's wait 20 years and we'll find out, you know? So how does that all work? Yes. I mean, it's not a, sh- a sugar hunt. It's a, let's order some different sugars on Amazon and then we bring them, bring them yeah. in in small batches and yeah. we flavor it. But it does take time. Like when you're just sweetening or adding sugar to or uh, flavoring, that, that doesn't take as much time. But for instance, like the gin took, we did over a hundred iterations of that because you have to distill and redistill and add, but that took forever. We almost gave up on that. Seriously? Yeah. 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 Well, so Marcus, this all, Blackland came to, came to be in 2018, correct? Okay, that's right. Uh, so you, you put out vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, Texas pecan brown sugar bourbon, which you mentioned. You would have a hundred proof bourbon, a hundred proof rye in a barrel um, rested gin as well. And there's a third, yes. there's a, the newest one is on the table. It's the third one over from myself with the black top that's that's coming out in in january you said right can we talk about that or is it still secret oh no you we can talk about because it i kind of just, just did yes, it on the table man yeah, no. i mean uh yeah that is our fully um created if you will cooked fermented distilled at the distillery since day one bourbon so um it'll be between three and four years old uh, we're calling it Prairie Gold. Mm-hmm. This will be our premium bourbon that we release. We're really excited about it just because um, there's not a ton of what we call straight Texas bourbon, great grain to glass out there. There's a few people. You have to understand the whiskey industry in Texas is super young. Um, the oldest whiskey distillery here is 2008. Oh, yeah. So compare that to Kentucky. Kentucky. How long? Right. Oh, 1800s. And then compare that to Scotland and Ireland. Right. Like, so um, we're just very young and we're still figuring things out. And so to have our first like release of grain to glass straight bourbon is really exciting. Is that good? I mean, are we becoming a region to reckon with, you know, kind of like the wine stuff or is it still yet to be determined? I, I, we're going to get there. Yeah. I think the problem is, is that a lot of people compare Kentucky bourbon to Texas bourbon and that will never, ever happen because right. mm-hmm. it's the climate makes such a huge difference yeah. in all alcohol yeah. that you make. And so I think what you'll start to see is some really good Texas bourbons emerge as a distinct flavor. And then what you'll see, I think, is that you'll have a North Texas bourbon, a Central Texas and a South, much like California, yeah. and, you know, all the way down Central Coast South, and Napa. Um, because again, the climate here in Fort Worth or DFW is much different than Austin is much different than Houston. Does there, uh, are other States doing it too? You don't hear about like, Oh, I had this wonderful Rhode Island bourbon, you know, last night. Yeah. Um, or maybe is that, or, or we just, 
why here? No, I uh, I think there's definitely a, it's a focus here, mm-hmm. right? But also you have to understand, like going back to my original point, distilling to get into is very difficult. The upfront cost and capital is huge comparatively to anything else. What right? are we talking about? A lot. Like roundabout. Millions. <laughs> for the machinery and all that for the well, well surely not just that just also you what you make you're going to sit on for four to four years yeah. right and yeah. you're just collecting and collecting is that an asset yeah but are you generating revenue on it no you have right. to build the brand in the meantime yep. right yeah so um the barriers to entry on distilling are much higher which again is why we don't have nearly as many distilleries compared to say breweries or even wineries in california yeah yeah yeah, yeah. There's a gentleman that works with you named Ezra. Yes. Uh, is his hand in all these things sitting in front of us? Absolutely. Can you tell us about Ezra Cox, please? Yeah, Ezra's amazing. Uh, he's our master distiller. Um, he's had a long career of both brewing and distilling. Uh, he and I are on the same page in terms of ideology and what we're trying to do and what we want to do, which is, um, again, we continue to say elevate craft and make quality spirits because there's so much competition now, right? Yeah. If you don't make great liquid, um, then it's over. And I don't even care if you have George Clooney or Ryan Reynolds, right? Because who are, the, who are they? These yeah. are celebrities that own liquor companies that have oh. done very well, but oh, I tequila, the tequila has got a lot of yes. that Brad Pitt action and stuff. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. The mm-hmm. rock, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. That tequila is very hot right now. Maybe the hottest spirit, but if you're not making a good product, I don't, I don't care if you're Matthew McConaughey, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter because you can get anyone to try something once it's will they come back and drink it again and again mm-hmm. and again. Mm-hmm. So they may get that initial, I'd like to try that, uh, but they won't have the brand loyalty if the liquid isn't. Good. Right. Well, you're not, a, you're not a bad looking dude, Marcus. So I think thanks. you kind of can sit on the same stage. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. So. Yeah. That's on right. that brand loyalty. I know I have a friend who's got um, a wife who works in one of the large retail uh, places, the liquor stores. And he says that what they do is they'll, They've got all the the products. They would have yours, but they'd only order a limited supply. So when you go in and they're out of it, they'll turn them on to, well, don't you want the Sam's brand kind of thing? So you have competition even in there. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit too in the distribution because I'm sure there's challenges in that too as far as being profitable uh, in this business. Yeah, I mean, it's a dirty business, right? And remember that I was a lawyer before this too. Yeah. So like I know. Um, it's a lot you of sue all your competition out of out of business <laughs> if you need no, to. It's just too too costly. I'd <laughs> yeah. like to I'd like yeah. to sue a few of them, but yeah. no. Um, it's it's just a lot of pay to play. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is what a lot of like places want. Sure, I'll bring your which is illegal by the way. But besides the fact, it's a, a smaller, younger brand doesn't have money to spend thousands of dollars to get your bottle on a shelf somewhere. Sure. And it's not economically feasible either because the people are coming in to buy Tito's and Jack Daniels anyways, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yes, to your point, there are a lot of deals going on under the table where it's like, okay, we'll put your stuff on the shelf or we'll forget to bring it on the truck and offer them something else. That happens a lot. Yeah, right? that's what I mean because they yes. get the huge margins on the, the base or the, you know, the wholesale product or whatever. Especially at restaurants, especially oh, at same bars. There. Yeah. Yeah, you don't really know what's mm-hmm. going, I mean, unless you've got a real acquired taste to it. Yeah. Yeah. Where, well, when I see, sorry, when I see the report that comes out each week where we have someone order something and they don't get it, that's really frustrating because we have a lot of product out there. And mm-hmm. so 
then you have to go back and hunt it down. Right? Oh, right. Where yeah. are you seeing the most strength in your products? Is it bars? Is there any particular place, location as far as? Uh... Yeah, it's a good question. So you have to divide the world into sort of two different areas. You do liquor stores, which mm -hmm. is what's called off-premise, and you do bars, restaurants, hotels into what's called on-premise. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to get cases into liquor stores, right? Because they're, they're there to make turn and make money yeah. and yeah. look great. Getting a, a bottle on the shelf in a restaurant or bar is hard. They have limited shelf space. They know what they're turning. They know what they want. They know what people want. So you have to employ a lot of people and personal time and go out there and hit the pavement. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's expensive. Yeah. Right. But you have to build the brand in bars and restaurants. Right. So we've pretty much done a great job in Fort Worth and Dallas. That's our big market. Houston's number two. Um, and then you have Central Texas, which is its own place. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know. It's not weird enough, man. <laughs> when I go to Houston, everyone says, oh, it's great. I love that it's Texas made. It'll definitely bring it in. Yeah. When I go to Austin, they say, but it's not made in Austin, right? Mm. And they have a lot of distilleries there. And, you know, and I went to UT. So both my parents went to UT. I love Austin. Yeah. Uh, but it's. Uh, it's changes every year. Surely. Yeah. Surely. Well, on the side of this happening, you've also created a, an establishment here in town. Uh, it's a bar and it's a eatery of sorts. I mean, I don't, what's, what's the right word? It's a lounge. Cocktail lounge. You've won good. awards. You, in, in 19, you were best cocktail lounge. You've won uh, best date night spot, um, best lounge bar of the year. I mean, these are cool things. These are recent awards too from local publications. So, I've been there several times, and the food's fantastic. You have a pretty much pretty good signature uh, drink menu. I was going to ask you about that. I was, things like Dreamsicle Fudge, the Thurston Howl, and Banana Rama. Like, who's doing these drinks? This is not an Ezra or, or a, a Marcus creation, is it? Is this somebody else doing these things? No, it's the staff. It's we, our GM is Warren, um, who you, who for eight years was at Thompson's, and now. Um, uh, and I try to give a lot of autonomy um, to whoever's running the tasting room because, mm -hmm. and the, and the the staff in there too, because they like um, to create drinks, and that's insane. So these are your guys' brainchilds. That's right, okay. and we we change it quarterly just based on seasonality and what's um, uh, fresh, right? Mm -hmm. But the you have to think of the the bar, the the cocktail lounge as marketing for the brand because the business is distribution. So I want you to come in and have an amazing cocktail and an amazing experience mm -hmm. so that you'll leave and go buy Blackland at other places or at the liquor store. So I say sometimes like we cheat a little bit in that we fresh squeeze our juices daily and throw them out at night. We make all our bitters. We make all our liqueurs. We make everything there and we have unique drinks so that um, it's a an experience you can't get anywhere else. And so maybe the profit margin isn't as big mm -hmm. as someplace else, but again, it's a long-term play of um, come in and enjoy. And Friday, Saturday is reservation only. Like you have to have a reservation or not huge. Uh, and that's what I really like about it. It's a rocking place, uh, man. I, I think you did a really good job. There. Where is it? Just it, up, just behind uh, um, what Montgomery Ward's yeah. um, the little area down there. Behind the target. Montgomery I mean, no, Plaza. sorry. Montgomery Ward's oh Plaza. yeah. 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 Um, Marcus, so you started in 18, but you, I don't know if this is good or bad, but you obviously you were right on the precursor to COVID. COVID, as we, most people generally know, alcohol sales and, and drinking took a skyrocket because we were all at home and this and that. Did COVID America help your business at that point? Uh, you know, in a couple of ways. I think it hurt us on premise in bars and restaurants and hotels because a lot of them were shut down, right? Mm -hmm. So we got hurt there. 
It helped us get placements in liquor stores, to your mm -hmm. point, where people were just drinking all the time. And then they kept drinking. They didn't stop drinking, you know, as we've subsided. They've continued to drink. Yeah. So in that sense, it really helped wine and um, distilled spirits. I, it didn't really do a lot for beer. Because right. beer is more like this fun, outside, festival, yeah. Yeah. sport, sporting event, concert. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they've, they got hurt. And then, you know, you have this seltzer that's come in. Um, which I think is a fad and a trend, but that there's a lot, that's where the industry is going. I think tequila is here to stay, no doubt. Mm -hmm. like, that's hot. Yeah. It's only going to get hotter. Um, Are you looking at it? No. Not at all? So what's the graph look like, like per JW's question, um, like pre-COVID, during COVID, and now out of COVID? What's the, what's the line graph well, look like? Well, it's a little this? interesting because... You know, we didn't start distribution until September of 2019. Mm -hmm. So we've now been out what I call in the world for three years. Yeah. Uh, but since 2019, we've doubled our sales every year. So it looks like this. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I don't know what I, I never know. Like it will it'll happen again this year. Yes, yeah. it will. But I don't know at some point. That but stops. that's annual, not like so there may be dips in those. Oh, years. there are dips. Yeah. There are dips, especially you can look at the trends. Yeah. Like July is probably the worst month. In, it's too hot or something. It's too hot and yeah. people leave. They go to Colorado, especially here, yeah. and yeah. Uh, they don't go out as much. Yeah. You know, We don't have any investors or important people who watch this show, so you can be as honest as you want about <laughs> kind of future revenues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, now we're, now we're getting into it. It's really exciting because... Um, we call it O&D, which is October, November, December. Well, That's, this is the good this time. This is the good time where you make a lot of your money now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So holidays, drinking, parties, gifts. Yep. This is especially whiskeys. Well, and I was thinking on the gift side, where do you guys get the bottle? Like, these are beautiful bottles. Uh, is is that like a similar to the sugar hunt where we're going to go on a bottle hunt and everyone's going to bring five bottles to the boardroom? And how does that all go down? Oh, I had a, I had hired a woman at the very beginning to design our bottles, and all she does is design bottles. That's her whole job. Yeah. Um. And so, but where do we source our bottles from? Or or where was this was this taken conceptually from somewhere? Or I, I told her what the idea was and what we were trying to do at the distillery, and this is what she came up with, and we instantly just yeah. What what do we call this woman? What does she have a name? Could, yes, a bottler. Actually, a very interesting story <laughs> about her. Her name is Una. Uh, and Una Hart, she lives in LA. Um, she used, I, I saw her one night, I came home and I saw her on a commercial. It was like a Revlon commercial. Seriously? And, and I called her and I said, Hey, did I just see you on a commercial or have I just been working too many hours or drinking too much? What, what's going on? And she said, yes, I used to be a supermodel. I was in Eyes Wide Shut and some other films, but this is all I do now. And I just do it to keep my SAG card, but please don't tell anybody. <laughs> Wait a minute. So did you, did you already, have, do you know, like she was your bottler or the designer yeah. before and then you saw the commercial? Yeah, yeah. this was way after. I had the bottles and I thought, do they that have, great. like, That's where great. did you find out about her from like an investor or something? Said, oh, hey, you uh, got to get this great No, gal. one of the schools I went to, she had presented and she yeah. said, packaging is important. Here's yeah. why it's important. This is what we do if you're interested, you know. Yeah. Well, it's tremendously unique and I, con I congratulate you on that. That's for sure. That's really good. Before we get past the COVID days, I had one more one more <laughs> yeah. question for you because one day, Brenton, my wife comes home. She's Miss Sanitizer when the COVID happened. Mm. I can't go two feet in my house without her squirting sanitizer on me or somewhere near me. 
She brings home some Blackland Distillery sanitizer. He kind of revamped. I don't know. If, I don't know oh, exactly. I the think story, I remember this. But yeah. you did a big thing here. You changed some level. You, instead of making all. I mean, I, again, I don't know the story, but That's you right. started making sanitizer and giving it out. I thought it was a really cool mark. And one thing I, we all know you and love you, but that was a pretty awesome thing you did. Well, I, I appreciate that. In fairness, we sold it. We gave to a lot of charities, right? But then we sold it to the general public to mm -hmm. try and keep some revenue going. Right. But yes, we 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 all the. Everyone needed it from the homeless shelters, uh, the night shelters, the Tarrant County Food Bank to everywhere. Um, so that was nice. Yeah, it, it's funny because some people wouldn't take it. Well, one person we tried to give it to Cook's Children's, and they were like, uh, "It just smells too much like gin." <laughs> and we were oh, like, really? "Okay, yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> Does it? Um, would it have any of like sugar or anything in it? Oh, we any, put, like like we, to try to sweeten it. Yeah, well, we put botanicals to try and mask it because yeah. we were just creating like ethanol, right? And sure. it didn't have a great smell to it. So you're that's using this the equipment you have for the gin yeah, to make it. Yeah, oh, wow. that's right. But yeah. you step it up like it's super high potency on that, like the sanitizer. That oh higher yeah, alcohol yeah, it had to be a higher alcohol yeah. proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had to also tell people like, don't drink it, even though it smells like this. You know, because yeah. we we had to put other things that the FDA mandates for. Um, cleaning and sanitation mm -hmm. and then you know mm -hmm. yeah so did any come in this beautiful bottle no because like, again we didn't want right. we didn't want to confuse that anyone fantastic. yeah fantastic uh, other distilleries tried that in other states and and they had a problem <laughs> Marcus, <laughs> yeah we know you're super busy these days what just generally speaking what's a typical day look like for as a distiller like somebody doesn't know this world what does your typical day look like um well for me it's a lot of of in the mornings, oversight, day-to-day -day operations to make sure production's on task, all the orders are in and out, and that we're making all of the alcohol, touching base with sales to see how we're doing, if I need to talk to anyone, touching base with our distributors, Southern Glazers, to make sure they don't need anything. Uh, a lot of calls on customers, our big customers, to make sure to thank them, and mm -hmm. calls on new customers to say, hey, what can we do to get Blackland in here? And then a lot of events where I go to meet the maker who's me to talk about the brand um, or just do some tastings. And that could be here in DFW. That could be in another city in Texas. That could be in another state. Um, it's just nonstop. Right. Yeah. What uh, what's, what's the biggest trouble or issue you have to solve these days, if there is one? Employees? What's the hardest? Well, part I mean, for employees you? are always going to be yeah, as you grow. Like hard to get them. Like uh, drinking the product, probably. Right? Yeah, that has happened a few times. I'm just sanitizing my hands <laughs> in here. <laughs> this definitely happened. Um, no, I think it's gotten easier on employees, but yeah. all employees have HR issues, mm -hmm. right? They, mm -hmm. Everyone has an issue all the time, and so that takes time. Yeah. Um, how to grow? Is that hard? Yeah. How in to this grow? Business? Like. Should we do it now or should we wait? Yes. Like I got to see, you know. Yeah. You can't just go into a new state and mm -hmm. put your alcohol on the shelf and go, okay, we're here. Uh, come mm -hmm. by us. We did that with our podcast. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. <laughs> our moms love it, yeah, Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> They're here. The boys have arrived. Yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> when you enter a new state, new state with a product, what is what's the what's the action that needs to happen? Uh, is it just a marketing ploy in that particular state? Uh, in essence, you know, we've kind of learned by default and, and doing it now over and over on what works and what doesn't work, mm -hmm. right? Well, first you need a great distributor and we do, yeah. we have one in Southern Glazers, right? It's the largest distributor in the United States. They do Tito's and everything else. How did you connect with them? If you mind me asking. 
Well, we started with Benny Keith. Okay. Um, uh, and so, and they're a great beer distributor. Yeah. And then, and I, I love the people at Benny Keith. Uh, but then as we expanded and had proof of sales, um, the reality is there's two distributors in this country and it's RNDC and it's Glazers, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the re- and the reality, unfortunately, is that they have all the connections and they have all the relationships mm-hmm. because there's, if you think about just like Total Wine, there's a wine buyer, there's a beer buyer, and there's a spirits buyer. Sure. You have to be in if you're selling spirits. Yeah. So finally, we talked to both of them and we started getting attention. And then we, we just went with um, Glazers at that point. I just mm-hmm. it felt right. And they also distribute TX and they, they have, they, you know, they know Fort Worth and right. Um, everywhere. And so we're actually with them in all of the states that we've expanded into, and they've been a great partner for us. So, um, so you have to have a great distributor. You have to have people on the ground. You have to go into the market and show that you care and connect and you have to do marketing and you have to yeah. do social media and you have to have influencers and you, you have to spend time there. You have to do it all. Mm-hmm. Right. But the one good thing I've seen as we've grown is once you've established yourself in Texas, again, good or bad in Texas, it is a, it is a credibility builder in terms of when we went to Missouri, Total Wine there, I was like, we're going to turn you on, no problem. Or we go to Arizona and Total Wine says, absolutely, yeah. right there. Yeah. Whereas when I started, I had to beg to just get into one Total Wine, mm-hmm. right? And so it does get easier sure. over time. No, right? and that's really good to hear. I mean, I do think there are such tremendous opportunities in this state because we have an influx of a lot of people coming in that you always hear about that. But that's really good to hear that you can go outside of here and it gives you a little bit of credibility as well that, you know, it's like, oh, if you're in Texas, you've done it differently. You've succeeded. Mm-hmm. We'll take it. You know, right. Right. yeah. Is the business, is it where you want it to be? Is where you expected this to be? Are you still satisfied with the growth or do you have huge plans ahead of us? Are we, what can you tell us about that? Oh, no, I still have huge plans to grow. I mean, I, I started this to be a national brand. I didn't want it to be a, a you know, a small local distillery or anything like mm-hmm. that. And we've had a, a really quick expansion, I would say, for three years of where we are and where we want to be. The, the you know, going back to one of the problems, this is a capital intensive mm-hmm. business, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to not only build the distillery, but then make all the alcohol and sit on it, then as you grow and scale, that's great. You're putting out more product out there into the world, but then you still have to buy the bottles and the labels and the tops mm-hmm. and the raw materials for grain and yeast and, and all of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then there's the, the marketing. So I was going to ask yeah. that too, is like, okay, product cost, you know, if you've got a, a scale of a hundred percent, how much is in marketing versus how much is in the actual production of the product? Because, it seems that of all things, man, booze is like way marketing heavy, you know, like, Super. It, like it's, mm-hmm. yeah, so, this is a marketing business, yeah, right? Like yeah. this is 90% marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we, I don't care what you make, every brand is different and what works for you in marketing is different. So yeah. we've had to kind of hone in on that and figure out, I don't say we've wasted a lot of money, but you have to spend a lot of money to really dial in on what works for us. And so, we have a great director of marketing and social media. Her name is uh, Hannah LeCamp, and um, she kills it. And I'll just say for us, it's a lot of social media. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of social mm-hmm. media ad because your ROI and your return not only can be measured, it's just you're reaching a much wider audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, radio is expensive. 
Yeah. Billboards are super expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and TV, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas when my kids are right now are just watching YouTube anyway. Yeah. And you can target in on your audience that way and narrow it down for a lot less money. Uh, I just, it's, for us, it's hands down the best way. Nice. Speaking That's why of, we're going to charge you for as much as we are for the show. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of kids, where do you start your kids? Uh, on the, in the gin, the bourbon? The, <laughs> yeah. What? How the clear kid, liquids. How old are your kids, kids like? by the way, Marcus? Uh, Eleven and nine. Okay, so they're they're probably you know for just diving in now, sniffing, <laughs> sipping. You know, like I mean, most, like most they're kids. not the gold standard. Yet. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. They unfortunately they probably have a much broader knowledge of the distilled spirits industry than other eleven and nine year olds. Yep. You know, um, I see my. Uh, for for example, uh, one of my daughter's classmates the other day said, did you make wine today? And my daughter immediately said, we don't make wine. We make distilled spirits. Like, how dare you? How dare yeah, you yeah. even bring that up? Right. Yeah. And so, that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a little worried about that. Like later on in high school when someone says, you know, mm-hmm. oh, they were drinking. I'll, my first question will always be, was it Blackland? Because mm-hmm. I, I don't want it to be right. I, I, I'm concerned about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but they're my best salespeople. When we go out to a restaurant, if, if there's not Blackland on the shelf, mm-hmm. they're going to let them know about it. And, yeah. Uh, they're very, you know, aggressive about it. And that's great. Cause I don't have to be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the, all the sure. kids parties at school are sponsored. Yeah. Sure. It's, it's, it's a good deal. Yeah. So, so you want to, um, just state where people can find yeah. you. I mean, and then it, like we didn't give it an exact location of the eatery. Yeah, but what? tell us how people can find Blackland. Well, I mean, we obviously have the tasting room behind um, uh, Montgomery Plaza, behind the Target. But we're in every liquor store here, um, in DFW, certainly. We're in every Total Wine in Texas, every Specs, um, most goody-goodies. We're in every city. It shouldn't be that difficult to find us in the liquor store category. Can I ask about the big, the big retailers oh, yeah. like that? Is that hard? Like, do, do, the, do you go in and it's like one shot? Like, you, we're going to give you one sip, and then if we don't like it, like, how does that? Like, do they do that? Yeah, it's hard. Um, or do you get to go back multiple? Oh, times you go. You, like, you can go back. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, like, for, for let's take Total Wine. That's there's 36 Total Wines in Texas. Okay, we're in all five. Or actually, all seven of our spirits are in all 36 total wines. That took me, you know, till this year to do it, right? It takes time. Yeah. Or I'll go to a bar and they'll have three of our spirits. And my daughter will say, well, why do they not have all five? And I have to remind her that Hendrix has one and Tito's has one and we have three. So calm down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's hard when you're making. <laughs> but I making- want you to all now, daddy. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> But we're make we're a diff- the difference for us is we're making and distributing five different spirits to try and hit a much wider group, yeah. right? Because yeah. stereotypically, men gravitate towards whiskeys and women gravitate towards clear spirits, and certainly there's crossover. But if you only make one, you're alienating a group of people that don't drink that. Mm-hmm. Also, what you drink at twenty is different than what you drink at thirty and forty yeah. and fifty. So we may not go as deep in one category, but we we're trying to hit a bunch of different people. Um, and it's really good also when we're selling into a bar or restaurant because then we can, oh, I have too much bourbon, but do you have any gin? No, we'll take the gin. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, right. sure. Well, Marcus, we appreciate you being here. We are big fans of you and what you've done with Blackland Distillery. It's fantastic product. The bar, people go to the bar. It's the best place to hang out with, you, with your date. Unless you're Brenton, you probably don't need to go there too much. Maybe for a, a, a bite, you know. Um, I but got anyway, my own places I go. 
You don't worry about that. I'm, I am worried, actually. Not past yes. 9 o'clock. I'm next typically episode. in bed by That's then, good. Marcus. That's but good. <laughs> thank you for being here, man. Yeah, we you. We always ask our guests uh, this this question at the okay. end. Besides your familial affairs, kids and wife, what is the best day of your whole life? That kind of sounded weird, like I your know. familial affairs. Familial like affairs, that, yes. Beside, you, affairs mm-hmm. is a weird word to put at the One end One thing we failed to mention, by the way, you just reminded me with that glare of yours as... This guy's mom used to be one of our one of our teachers back in school, and yes. I loved I loved her. Seriously, Mrs. Kiprios was a what grade? fantastic. All of them. All she grades, was a sub. Yes. She was a sub. Oh, no kidding. Yes, and she was so much fun and so much a pleasure to be around. I still love this woman. She was great to be around. But so you, and you have a sister too. That she was McGee's age, right? My younger brother. Yes, my sister's much more popular. than Ninety nine. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I so am great. always still to this day Lexi's brother. Okay, now we've given you enough time to think about your questions. Thank you. Uh, you know, this is going to be like family aside and all of that. Um, because I went to UT and have grown up, I was uh, at the, Hulk, we all know where this yeah, is going. Yeah. Okay. You know, is I was at, it? I was at the Rose Bowl. It was the greatest thing ever. I cried. So yeah. I'll never see that game like that again. Are you I, serious? I cried at the Rose Bowl too, but it was not for the same yes. team. Yeah. So Seriously? Yes. yes. Yeah. I would. Is that why these things are this color? Like this no, UT color is no, like this part of I try of it. not to, I try not to really go out that much because, you know, People are so particular about their teams yeah. and all of this. Yeah. You have to just sort of calm it down yeah. as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. But that was nice for Most me. Most people drink to forget. He drinks to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, Marcus Kiprios, Blackland Distillery. Thanks thank you, man. This yeah, has been thanks a thanks for being thank here. you, Captex, for letting us have some booze on the stage for once. <laughs> Appreciate you, Mike Thomas. Yeah, thanks. See you guys. All right. Thanks. Out. Appreciate it.